You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. We are a local congregation in Lexington, Kentucky, and we would love to see you join God's restoring work of love in your life. You can find out more about us at restorationlex.com slash welcome. There's helpful links about how you can grow, how you can serve, and be good news in our city. Thanks for listening. Uh, Back in December of 2017, we moved into this facility. It is insane for me to understand that we have been here for six years now. We were a seven-year-old church in January. We've been in this facility for six years. We moved out of Grace Baptist Church where we were meeting on Sunday nights there for the first 11 months, and it was an exciting new season for us. We were going from Sunday nights to Sunday mornings, which if you have Sunday night services, it's, it's great in theory, but then you realize you have kids that show up to these things too, and that's just awful. Uh, with the kids. It's very difficult on Sunday nights. And so we were so happy to move to Sunday mornings and happy to move into a different part of the east end of downtown Lexington. And our posture coming into uh, this part of the neighborhood really was one of saying, we we don't want to come in and invent, uh, you know, what God is doing here. We trusted that God is already present and at work in this neighborhood in places that we already uh, are partner with, but places that we don't yet even see. And so one of our elders at the time, Laura Marie Thompson, she felt led after a Sunday morning service, one of the first ones to just walk across the street during the week and talk to people at the Polk Dalton Clinic, which is a UK clinic right across the street, uh, and just offer our prayers and our support as a church. And so what happened in the process is we learned about this incredible work of the, the, the Pathways Program, which is a program that provides treatment and support and care for women who are pregnant and overcoming the effects of addiction. And at the time, this is one of the only places in the state of Kentucky that was offering this kind of care. And so out of this conversation, out of this simple act of obedience, came a ministry called Pampering Pathways. And, and through what we did through that was, was baby showers for moms who uh, may not get a baby shower from their families, and oftentimes they did not. Uh, there are grief care bags for moms who have lost a child along the way. Um, there are diaper bags for, full of essentials for moms. Every single mother that goes through the program for the past six years has gotten a diaper bag to care for them. And then also uh, we're moving into gift cards as well for moms who are in the NICU and need food and need opportunities to be able to care for themselves in there. And we have literally been able, through your generosity, through the work of your volunteering, through what's happened literally in this room as we've thrown these showers, to minister to hundreds and hundreds of moms over these past six years because of your generosity and your work. And I, wanna, I just want to honor the leadership of a couple of women who are not here today because they went and moved away on us. Uh, but Laura Marie Thompson, she, she was one of our elders. Her family, she, her and Caitlin Kirk, who's also moved away with her her husband and child, um, they were the ones who really got this ministry off the ground and began to see it grow. And we miss them if they're watching today. Hey, we miss you guys. Um, and they've now passed the torch to our own Hannah Strang, who is our worship leader, as you see every week. And I'm excited today because not only will you get to hear from Hannah, but you're going to get to hear from someone who's been an incredible partner for us uh, from day one. And so as we welcome today uh, Jason Joy from the Polk Dalton Clinic, would you just give him a hand? Just welcome him up. And Hannah as well. What's your first time here? Would you introduce yourself? Just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your work with the Pathways program. Okay. 
Okay, um, so my name is uh, Jason Joy, um, and uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist uh, by uh, degree, and uh, I've been in working in the area of uh, substance abuse uh, counseling for the last 26 years. Um, it, I, it was interesting hearing the history of the connection with uh, Pathways, because I, I actually had just come on board as their therapist in October of uh, 2017, so wow. just a couple of, uh, months before you guys uh, awesome. joined with us, so that was uh, a, a rel we were both new to that relationship uh, at that point. Um, I had um, got to be with Pathways, though, as a consultant when it launched out in 2015. Um, I had been working in the hospital at that point for almost five years um, uh, and doing brief interventions, meeting with people um, with substance use, identified with substance use uh, issues, and then I would meet with them, try to connect them to resources. Um, uh, and we do about a thousand of those, you know, kind of brief interventions in a year. Um, so we've got to move, maneuver a lot between the, the UK hospitals to do that. Um, in doing so, I got to meet uh, Dr. Critchfield, um, who's no longer um, with the Pathways program, but uh, uh, working in another hospital now. But um, she, uh, had come, had done her residency through UK, and uh, and then left state, came back, and, and recognized that we were in the, at that point. So in 2015 ish, uh, 2014, 2015, we were in the heart of uh, the opioid epidemic. If you, uh, I'm sure you, everybody's uh, read about and been aware of, and probably been been impacted by uh, on some level. Um, and the way that looked in the hospital for. Um, you know, from an obstetric standpoint, was a lot of moms that were coming in with zero prenatal care um, because they've been actively using during their pregnancy. Um, may have sought some help, but oftentimes would return back to using because at that time we were basically what, the, like a lot of hospitals, we would offer maybe a, a methadone um, taper, um, but then the return to use would almost always you know, follow that. And so it was always just chaotic. Um, these are always bad situations. Babies that were being placed in foster care, moms that were being re-traumatized, and use that was continuing on and on. Um, so at that point, they were looking at how do we, you know, uh, Dr. Critchfield took some <laughs> very brave steps and said, hey, how do we do this? And so out of the, um, Dr. O'Brien, Dr. Critchfield, and, uh, and several others said, hey, looked at the evidence, looked at it and said, hey, what if we started using this uh, medically assisted treatment? Um, uh, in the form of buprenorphine, uh, uh, suboxone, and and offer kind of full, you know, wraparound services around these moms during their pregnancy, and um, that was pretty novel. And so there was also another group at the time of nurses that were starting to do some education, prenatal education, uh, for moms with substance use disorders, and that happened to be over here at Polk Dalton, um, where that was launching out. So they kind of merged both those concepts together. And I got to be a part of that con uh, consult service that, uh, um, as they were kind of launching out, you know, so as somebody who had been working in the area of uh, addictions for a long time. So we got to do that. That was, uh, it was really neat. So about 2014, we had some of the key elements. By 2015, they had a lot of the, the main elements that we have. Um, and uh, I came on board as their therapist in 2017. And we kind of defined the program a little bit more, put some, uh, more structure to it. Um, and the great thing is, it's kind of a one-stop shop model of care. Um, moms can come in, uh, get their obstetric care throughout their pregnancy. We meet with them weekly. Some eventually get out to every two weeks. 
um, and uh, they get their medications if they need those. Um, we do psychiatric referrals now. We have a, a psychiatrist on staff um, that will meet with them. We do prenatal education. Um, we get to celebrate their pregnancy and uh, we do individual uh, therapy. And we also have peer support. Um, that's been a really key element that we got to add in. And these actually were kind of homegrown. These were women who came through our program, um, then worked out in the community for a couple years and came back. We hired them on and have been working with us for now the last seven years. Um, so they're women who've actually come through the program. They know what, uh, what that's like to be in long-term recovery and then offer that hope. So we have that going on. The nice thing over at Polk Dalton, half the building is really designed to uh, provide obstetric care throughout the week. And we're only there really Wednesdays and Friday mornings. Uh, then we're kind of spread out throughout the state doing other things now um, and related to research and, uh, and also replicating our program like in, Moore, in our Moorhead Clinic. Um, but the um, other part of uh, Polk Dalton is pediatric and uh, general uh, uh, primary care. And so our moms can get their primary care there um, once they've kind of completed our program. And we now hold on to our moms a year postpartum and kind of support them th that way if uh, they stay in this community and want these services here or we help refer them, you know, maybe somewhere closer in their, in their community. Um, but uh, they can also get their pediatric care. So we have doctors now that pediatricians are very uh, comfortable working with moms in recovery, babies that have maybe experienced some withdrawal symptoms and so they know how to coach moms up on that. And it can really just be kind of all their care organized under one uh, building so they don't have to go through lots of different places. Um, and also just have an accepting place for them to land to get and have good uh, interactions with healthcare professionals, which for a lot of our moms uh, prior to coming to Pathways, they didn't have. Yeah. Um, it was oftentimes a very antagonistic type of relationship. Yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, in terms of antagonism, you know, I, I know before um, we moved here, it used to be across the street. We had um, the first you know, phase one of a recovery program for some men there, and like we were, from the very beginning of being here, addiction and recovery have been sort of central to a lot of our mission here. But as you know, a normal everyday person, not directly impacted by addiction and kind of the big picture of how this is happening in our city, in our state, like what would you want us to know about the culture of that, the, the addiction problems that we have around us and how, what, what that means for recovery and, and kind of how people see this big picture? Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. I think that there's, um, you know, addiction doesn't stop just because a woman gets pregnant. <laughs> um, that's, you know, and, and so I think there's been, for some people I've interacted and they ask what I do and oftentimes I try to bypass that question. It gets kind of complicated to explain at times. But, um, but if they look like they're really interested in, in listening, I will, I'll approach uh, them. Like, oh, they're like, oh, I guess I never really thought that. I guess women would use during their pregnancy. Yeah, so addiction doesn't take a break just because you're pregnant. However, um, it is a time that there's like a really key opportunity to look at, for, for most women that we see, are like, I really, looking at the motivation is there. And, and it's kind of a key opportunity to, to build on that. So, um, but you know, they come in with a lot of shame, a lot of uh, guilt, and a lot of fear. Um, uh, we've had a lot of moms uh, who already maybe have lost children to foster care previously, or, uh, or children have been removed and placed in their family's care, uh, family members' care. And so there's always that trauma too. And then of course, most of our women have had a lot of trauma in their lives. So 
there's this general distrust of coming in, um, but, um, and I think that's true for anybody with addictions, is that there's a general um, shame and hiding and, and, and a sense of, of mistrust to, to be able to let their story out. And, um, but when that gets brought out and it's, and it's very well accepted and, uh, and there's an openness to it, um, people get better. And, and we've seen that. Uh, we, we really come to expect uh, to see most of our moms uh, uh, become sober, stay sober, in recovery, and, and we really are used to having pretty good outcomes. Um, uh, every now and then we don't, and that's, that's oftentimes more shocking to us because we really come to see that there's some really good treatments out there, and not one treatment works for everybody, but uh, there's almost always a treatment that works for somebody. And yeah. so we. So the key is to be very multifaceted in, we, in our approach, and um, we kind of have a no-fail policy. You can't fail out of our program. Um, we have to keep in mind that we have a mom and a baby, and so there is no failing our program. We've actually had moms that were shooting up in our bathroom, and they stayed in our program, and some of them are now peer support and helping other moms because, you know, because we never gave up. And I think we kind of keep that approach in mind, is that we're there, um, as a safety net with no holes in it. We're not gonna let a mom fall if she's willing to do the work and stay with us. Awesome. You, you've talked a lot about how your alt clinic is a really safe place for moms who have experienced that antagonizing and kind of shameful view, not just from their communities, but even in some cases, healthcare providers. Um, so that just speaks to me to how the stigma is so strong around addiction, um, just culturally, but obviously in your specific demographic of pregnant moms. Um, so can you just talk to us a little bit about that stigma and how for all of us in this room, you know, as people of faith or people who are at least exploring faith, I mean, you came to church this morning, so I think there is a little bit of, um, if not like an intentional kind of faith that you're living out, but maybe even just a curiosity of, you know, wanting to understand how each and every person is an image bearer of God as we, you know, declare and profess here as Christians. How can we use like that element of our faith to kind of have compassion and help to lessen the stigma in, in our culture around a lot of this? Um, oh yeah, so let me see if I can get all that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's good. Um, you know, I'll boil it down to what, you know, I, I think our simple approach to this and, and as simple approach to, for me as a, as a person in faith and who tries to live that faith out um, by just doing, showing up for work each day and, and trying to make myself useful to whatever God's will is. And um, a lot of our moms, you know, we, we say it doesn't really matter what gets uh, a person into the doors of recovery, and this is not just for our moms, but we say this, but anybody, it doesn't really matter what gets you through the doors of recovery. It could be, you know, a nagging spouse. It could be a, a criminal, you know, um, be the criminal system, it could be in the legal system, it can be, um, you know, uh, it could be a pregnancy. Um, um, it doesn't really matter what keeps you in the, the, you know, get you into the doors of recovery, it's what keeps you and maintains you in the recovery. So hopefully at that point, there's a shift, um, something internal um, that would keep you in there. And what we have found 
um, for a lot of our moms, they would do this maybe for their pregnancy, you know, maybe for the, this baby, they realize I want to do this. But something shifts and they realize I'm doing this for me because I see my worth and my value. And um, I think that's, that's really it. You know, as, as people of faith, we understand our worth and our value comes from, you know, from our relationship with Jesus. And, and we have a really good demonstration of that by what he did on the cross and his resurrection. So um, it's really simple for me each and every day to just look at the woman in front of me and say, I see your worth and I see your value. Because I understand what my worth and my value is. And it wasn't anything that I did or didn't do. It certainly wasn't because of, you know, uh, you know the problems and the, the sins in my life and all the shortcomings. I, you know, that would that have disqualified me a long time ago. Uh, and it wasn't because of the things I've done great, you know, because all those can be taken away uh, with this and that. So it really comes from understanding that your value and your worth was given to us uh, by our creator. So... Um, yeah. So with that, you just live that out. And, and, if we, and luckily, I'm, I've got a staff of, uh, it's just weird how we've all been together, but, you know, we all are believers and we come from different denominations, different backgrounds and all that. But we're able to just live that out. Um, we don't have to proclaim it. We don't have to put a, a, you know, Jesus loves you bumper sticker on our cars or, you know, uh, hand out tracts and try to, pro, you know, uh, try to make, uh, you know, believers out of anybody, but we can just live that out, and then in doing so, um, major transformations happen. Yeah. And, and so that's the way. Yeah. I mean, you just touched on exactly what I was going to ask next, and, and last week we talked about how mission is not something we add to our life. It's the life that we've already been given, how God is already present and at work where we are. And so ministry is the simple reality of our jobs, our homes, our schools, where we are is where God is already at work, and we're joining his work where we are. And I love, we've been working with you for, you know, close to five, six years now, and, and hearing every time we talk to you about how your work is ministry, how your work without being, you know, the guy who carries around the Jesus t-shirt and stuff like that, you get to bring the love of Jesus. You get to just proclaim the gospel of the kingdom through acts of love. So can you just touch on a little bit on that about how, you've been able to see your faith not just be used in this setting, but really grow in this setting and, and challenged in this setting. How's your faith in your job kind of come alive in that? Mm. Well, yeah, let me, let me kind of, you know, I think, again, going back to my first five years at, uh, at UK, I was doing kind of brief interventions, really a one and done, you know, quick check-in with somebody, 30, 45-minute session of, hey, do you want to maybe make some changes? We recognize that you have. And, and, you, and for me, that was like, I don't know if I'm affecting or making any, you know, if this is having an effect on anybody. Um, but it's paying the bills, and so I'll keep doing it. Uh, and every now and then have, a, you know, some really neat spirit-led moments to kind of share my faith a little bit more in depth. But um, what I found, though, is that the longer I did this, I would run into people, either sometimes re-emissions or see them out in the community, and their lives have really changed. And I'm not saying that it was because of that interaction, but because God was already moving, and I got to kind of capitalize and, and be a catalyst um, by just being, uh, you know, being useful. And, um, and I've seen that now. Uh, again, I've been um, at Pathways now going into my seventh year, and I've seen that happen with our moms. 
you know, sometimes, again, we're pretty used to seeing success stories, but we had moms that sometimes never uh, really seemed to get to, you know, grasp the whole elements of recovery and were struggling, and then maybe we would refer to higher levels of care, or would just, they would lose, we'd lose track of them. Um, but then I've run into them. You know, I, maybe from here to Moorhead, I'll stop at a, at a gas station and I'll see one of the moms that, you know, uh, who's doing well now. And, and it may not have happened in our program, but then I've had them credit and say, hey, the fact that you guys never gave up on me, you know, meant something. So even though I got locked up and even though, you know, I wasn't ready at the time that I was coming through your program, you guys never gave up on me. And then it, it said something about, you know, my value. And I, you know, I held on to that. So again, I think we just have these opportunities to just live that out. And, um, and Restoration Church has been a big part of that. Like, you know, I know because, you know, with substance use and mental health, there's, you know, there's always a lot of confidentiality and everything, you know, we can't show women's faces on the, you know, from the, you know, the showers and, and all that. You don't get to see the, in the up close and personal effect that you have, um, but it's there. Um, I had a mom uh, just uh, not too long ago that I was speaking with who actually had to, had to deliver a stillborn. Um, that's a huge trauma for any mom. It's also a huge trauma for a mom who's just gotten into the recovery. But um, I asked her, I said, so how are you doing it? Because I'm always amazed at people's story and, the, and their resilience. I said, how are you doing it? She goes, well, I have this like Jesus Calling book that you guys gave us in that diaper bag that you gave us. And I just open that up every day. And I just do a devotion. And I just believe that my son is in a better place. And I'm here to keep doing uh, what the will of God is. And, and I don't know what that is, but I just keep, you know, each day I, I look into, you know, I look, read one of these uh, in this little book, you know, book that I, they gave, that came in our, uh, in our backpack. And I, and I just, I, I put it to practice. And so, it's, and, it's, and that's just one example, but it's, it's stories like that time and time again where I've gotten to see, you know, what, rest, you know, what the folks at Restoration Church have done and, and the, the impact they have, and it just matters. You know, during COVID when things were really hard to, we really couldn't interact with women at the hospital and stuff like that, we were able to bring them nice little uh, gift boxes that had, you know, cards. Sometimes they were isolated and they were able to get food. And, and all the time we were just saying, hey, there's a, there's a church out there that are praying and cheering you guys on. You may not see them face to face, but know that they care about you. They celebrate your pregnancy. They believe that you can get sober and that you've, you matter and you, you are, uh, you're valuable. And um, that means a lot, yeah. it really does. Yeah, honoring the image of God in people that sometimes don't even see the image of God in themselves yet. And that's really so central to the mission of Jesus and, and how we love our neighbors is I will honor and proclaim and live your value even if you don't see it yourself. And that's what the ministry that we do through this has is, is been all about. It's what we pray and proclaim every ministry would be is, is honoring the image of God in every single person. And so Hannah has been taking over here recently with the, with the leadership of Pampering Pathways. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about how we are continuing this partnership and how these simple acts of obedience that he's talked about with these diaper bags and other things, how can we continue to do that for these moms? Yeah, great question. I would love to tell you. I'd love to tell you. Um, this, is, this is just amazing, right? And very moving to hear 
about the amazing stuff that's happening right here in our neighborhood, literally on the same corner, right next door. And um, we can partner with Polk Dalton Clinic in a lot of ways. Justin was talking about how uh, Laura Marie and Caitlin were very faithful to just walk over and say, what can we do? How can we help? So right now with Pampering Pathways, it has evolved over the years um, to include some different things. And so we call it Pampering Pathways because you know we are wanting to pamper and appreciate and celebrate and encourage the moms um, and their babies who are going through the program. Um, the babies, Get a lot of love right babies have a lot of love anyone who's ever had a baby in the hospital in the NICU I know some of these moms are in the NACU the A is for abs it's like an abstinence care unit for these babies um, but the moms right the moms deserve all of that same love and care and support and so um, we really want to to honor them and support them so the ways that we work through pampering pathways right now we kind of have four different facets of Pampering Pathways. And they kind of each um, focus on one of four values in a way. This is kind of just loosely, wasn't anything that we like wrote down really intentionally. But it worked out this way, which is really nice. So those four things that we really want to pray over these moms and provide for them are encouragement, celebration, compassion, and sustenance. Um, so the first area that you can be involved with is something that we call take care totes. So a take care tote is a diaper bag. Um, pampering, well not pampering pathways, but pathways has 120 moms who come through the program a year. That's about 10 new moms coming through a month. On their third point of contact, they receive a gift from us which is a diaper bag backpack, which in and of itself I think is a really nice gift. I mean, I used that like every day of my, of my kids' lives until they were old enough to outgrow diapers. Um, so inside the diaper bag, we put some gifts. We put um, a book for the mom, like you mentioned Jesus Calling was in one of them, and that's so cool to hear a testimony of how that really touched a mom in her time of need. Um, we put some little stuff for the baby, and then most importantly inside of that backpack, is a note of encouragement, which is a handwritten card, just a little half page, one side card. It's just for the mom. And the women in our church write those. Um, can you guys do me a favor? Women, if you have ever written a Pampering Pathways note for a diaper bag, can you raise your hand? I just want Jason to see. And this is not everyone, right? You know, but it's so amazing to see that all across this room, there are people who have been encouraging personally with handwritten notes, these moms. I know you talked about um, pregnancy being a key opportunity in addiction recovery where moms can experience an amount of motivation that maybe they didn't have before. And I know that you've told us in the past that the, the moment for some of these moms that they realize, oh my gosh, I, I matter, is receiving these handwritten notes from you guys. So even though you're not seeing the mom you're giving this to face to face, know that it is a life-changing experience to have someone say, not just good luck, but hey, you're gonna be a great mom. Like, I know you're scared, I know this is hard, but you can do this. You know, just that sincere encouragement. So that's something that um, is a volunteer opportunity. Writing those notes, we ask that women only write the notes um, and then packing the bags. We pack them three to four times a year, depending on scheduling. But if you have, you know, a community group, a DNA group, maybe you have a group at work um, or in your school or on some kind of sports team, I don't know. 
any kind of group. You can be creative. Get your neighbors together, and we can have like a bagpacking um, night. It doesn't take very long. I think some of our groups have done it, and it's been um, a pretty good thing to do. So um, that is one area of our care is the take care totes. Every single mom who comes through the program gets one of those diaper bags. Um, the second area that we do for Pampering Pathways is baby showers. So we are going to move towards having these baby showers twice a year. Um, we've tried quarterly in the past. We had a big break for COVID. So the next one, we just had one this week. The next one we're going to have is April 24th of 2024. And we always have them on a Wednesday around lunchtime. And it's just a celebration. It's just a time to honor these moms. Um, like Jason and Justin already pointed to, a lot of these moms don't get any other shower. A lot of them don't have family and friends who are supporting them. You know, if you've ever been pregnant, think of um, the support you had around you and how much that meant. And then picture everything else stripped away. You might feel lonely. You might feel unsupported. It's that shame that you were talking about earlier. So these moms walked through these doors. We transformed this room into a beautiful baby shower. Um, truly beautiful, like a, a really nice shower. And we give them gifts. They all get great gifts. We do raffle prizes and games and lunch. We had DV8. It was delicious. So everything is amazing, and it's for them. And it's a celebration of the babies, yes, but of the moms, because the moms deserve this. Um, so that's another way that you can contribute by volunteering for our baby showers when we have them or contributing to gifts, catering. If you're, like, amazing at arranging flowers or baking a cake, I don't know. What? Maybe you're great at crafts. I don't know. I'm not great at any of those three things I just mentioned. So if anyone is, that's awesome. Come talk to me. And two more areas that we have. One is something um, that thankfully we don't have to see a lot, um, but it's called pamper purses. So pamper purses is like a tote bag purse that a mom gets as, um, as an act of compassionate care when she's going through um, a grieving process. So a mom gets this when she's not bringing a baby home. Maybe the mom has arranged to um, give this baby up for adoption. Maybe CPS is involved. Maybe the mom is not going to have custody of her child once it's born. Maybe it's a stillbirth, like the one you were just talking about, um, or fetal demise, miscarriage, all kinds of different situations like that. But these moms get a purse that has like um, a journal and some self-care items, and then a, a handwritten card that's written by just some of like our trauma-informed volunteers. I know some of you have helped with that. I really appreciate that. Um, so we give those about 8 to 12 per year is typically what they need for that. And then last but not least, this is a very, very easy way to donate, um, Kroger gift cards. So $50 Kroger gift cards are really helpful. Um, Justin mentioned that earlier that these go to sustenance for, for moms who have babies in the NICU or NACU. And some of them don't live here in this area. That's something that we kind of take for granted. Like we're right here in Lexington or at least the surrounding counties. But some of these moms are coming from far away, maybe an hour, maybe plus, right? And so um, if they're in a situation where they're in the hospital for their baby, but they don't have a car, maybe they don't have money, they need food, <laughs> they need you know, healthy snacks, they need things to eat to sustain their bodies and minds during this time. So um, Jason kind of stewards those funds, we give $50 Kroger gift cards, he takes them, gets you know, fresh, like healthy stuff for them on his way to the hospital that gets delivered to those moms. So those are the four areas. I feel like there's something within that, within those four things that everybody can do, that anyone can do. So if you want to get involved with Pampering Pathways um, in any of those ways,
please see me either after service or anytime. Shoot me an email. Um, but you can also sign up on Church Center. So on the app, on our website, and just say volunteer, and we can, we can get you going from there. But, um, yeah, those are our opportunities that we have for people to volunteer. Awesome. Lots and lots of stuff there. I want, to, I want us to pray over Jason and pray over this ministry. I'm so grateful for your partnership. And I know, and you were sharing, you know, even during COVID and, and the pandemic, how heavy that is for the people who are walking through that with these women every day. And I know you carry a heavy load. I know people in that clinic are carrying a heavy load. And so we just want to pray over you. And I'd love for you guys to join us as we pray for him. Um, and just so grateful for your heart and your ministry we get to share together. So, Father, thank you for this man, the simple act of obedience of just stepping into the lives of, of others and honoring their worth and value in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, for your continued support financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, everything that you uh, would surround these, these men and women who care for these moms and you would lift them up. But Lord, I also pray for the mothers that are walking through those doors week in and week out. Mothers whose stories we don't fully know and don't always fully understand, but we can be there with the hands and the feet and the voice of the love of Jesus in their lives. So I, I thank you for this testimony of his own life, his family. I got, God, I just ask for you to continue to strengthen and give him renewed vision and passion for the work he's doing. And we're so, so grateful that we get to do it together. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we thank Jason? As we move into a time of response, I wanted to close by sharing this. All of this you're hearing today started with a woman sitting in this room during worship, feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit to walk out those doors and walk into the ministry that now, six years later, hundreds of women have been impacted. Hundreds of women have been impacted. Hundreds of families have been impacted by one simple act of obedience. That is the mission of God. That is how the kingdom works. By you joining God's work where you are. And so as we move into a time of communion and prayer, I want to encourage you to listen. It may not be today, but maybe something begins stirring in you. I believe that the future of our church begins in moments like this. The mission of our church begins in moments like this. As we follow the promptings of the Spirit out into the world on mission where we are. Father, as we respond to you, open up our ears and our eyes to see. May you give us courage. May you give us, God, your eyes to see image bearers around us, people you love and value deeply. May our hearts and minds and spirits be turned towards opportunities to love and to call people into the kingdom where there is grace and not shame where there is welcome and not guilt. May you, in your love, propel us, compel us onto mission where we are. May we look back years from now, God, and remember the stories of someone 
who in a simple act of obedience followed the prompting of the Spirit into a ministry of the kingdom that changed lives forever. I can't wait, God, to see what we're celebrating years from now because of these simple acts of obedience. Help us to listen and respond. Lord, we respond to you today because you came to us. You stepped into our stories and our circumstances. You stepped into our flesh. You lived the life that we could not live. You died in our place. You were raised up to give us new creation life in you. And today, by your grace, we follow you. And we step into that. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a time of response at the end of all of our services. And this is just because we believe that what the Lord is stirring in us is not just something we receive and move on, that we actually respond to what God is saying. And so one way we do that is through communion. We have these elements here on this table. There's some in the back. There's some in the lobby outside as well. This is the juice representing Jesus' blood shed for our sins, the cracker representing his body broken for us. We do this every week, remembering that we are united with Christ and united with one another as a family you don't have to take these elements, but we encourage you to do so. We love being able to respond in this way in obedience. Also, we respond in worship. You can sing, you can sit, you can stand, raise your hands, you can just be still. Also, we respond in prayer as well. So myself and Alicia will be up here. We can pray with you about absolutely anything. If you want to begin your journey with Jesus today, if you want to renew your commitment to Christ, if you're just struggling with something and need prayer, let this moment be the opportunity for that. So Hannah's going to lead us and we're going to move into a time of response.